Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh, somebody get a shot up at the buzzer. It's good. Brooks Hall. Brooks Hall. The at the buzzer. The Dayton Flyers. Pandemonium. And the Dayton Decibel does it. This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast on the internet for Dayton Flyers basketball, always wearing red and being loud. And welcome back. This is Talking Out Loud. Hello, my friends. Hello. As the great Neil Diamond said, it is good to need you so. And I do need you and you need us to get through this Dayton season. I'm Sully. He's Drew. And this is Talking Out Loud, where we discuss Dayton basketball at great length. But tonight, we are here on this show to discuss a very important topic. Is Red Panda washed up? Drew, your thoughts? I think she is. I think it might be time. It's time to have that conversation, certainly. Father time comes for all great athletes, Tom Brady, Brett Favre, Gordy Howe, and now it might be time for the Red Panda to call it quits. Do we think uh, she has like a succession plan? Is, is there a Red Panda Jr. just like waiting in the wind? Or just what's after, What you know, what's after um, Red Panda life? I, I didn't, I, you know, you say life after basketball, life after football. I'm not even sure what to call, I mean, halftime greatness. What comes after halftime performing greatness? I think that is the question that needs to be asked here on Talking Out Loud. You're listening to the Rapid Reaction. Dayton just got done beating up on the Western Michigan Broncos by a calm 20 points if you looked at the box score, but it was anything but calm. But again, we're here to talk about the important issues, and the important issues of the night are whether or not Red Panda is washed up. I, true, I don't know. I don't know. This is a tough it question. Might, it might be time. I've I've heard more reports from various arenas around the country as this college basketball season has began that she, she's been slipping. And it, it's sad. It's always sad to see a great one lose their touch, lose their ability. But, you know, go out on a high note. It, it's, it be, can't drag it on too long because then it just gets sad. And we don't want it to get sad. We want to remember Red Panda fondly when she was perfect. Yeah, and that's the thing. Um, you know, Shaquille O'Neal was like that. You know, he he had like the Cavs year. There was the Phoenix Suns year. There was you know there was all those years where you're like, come on, Shaq, man, you got you got to hang it up. Yeah, athletes in really funny jerseys, like Patrick Ewing in an Orlando Magic jersey, is a hilarious picture when you look at it. He just looks old. Yeah, you know, and Ben Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. He had that one season last year. We're like, come on, Ben, come on, it's time to go. Yeah. You know. 
Tom Brady might be in the middle of it right now. Who knows? But I think you can see where we're getting at here, people. This is really concerning stuff. I mean, Red Panda could be washed. This could be. I don't be know it. if there's a could be. And, yeah, you know, you're right. I heard there was two drops, multiple drops at halftime at UD Arena tonight as the Flyers beat the Broncos by 20. And it just makes you wonder. See, now here's the other thing, because you, you mentioned a very interesting point here, Drew. If you're going to go out with a bang, I, I want, I'm going to play this all the way out. Right, we're going to flesh it out. Okay, we're going to spend the first five minutes talking about Red Panda. All right, it's fine. It's a rapid reaction. Dayton won by 20 in a bye game. All right, all right. You know, you're in on the bit now too, okay? So let's flesh this out now that we're here. We're, we're absolutely here. We're doing this, okay? I want Red Panda to go out with a bang, all right? So if she's going to be washed, here's how I want it to go. I want her to, to be, a, be at a big game. You know, I want it to be like me NBA playoff, something like that. Go out in half court, just clang every single bowl off the floor. I mean, just shattering crap everywhere. Fragments are getting into the first row. The announcers, you know, are getting some shrapnel. I really want it to be a scene so that we know like this was the definitive end of Red Panda right then and there. What do you say? That would be a true performance. That would be the greatest performance of her career. That would be a true swan song in the best possible way. And now I need to see it. Because at the end of the day, Red Panda is a show woman. She's a performer. You know, she gets us talking. She gets the people excited. And, you know, content creators, same way. You're putting out content that's getting the people going. What could possibly be more entertaining than Red Panda just clanging 20 bowls off of a basketball court in front of 18,000. You can't tell me there's any more entertaining than that, Drew. You just Not can't. Not much. Not much. You can't. All right. We've done. We've done. Right, we've done our done. bit. We're Welcome in. <laughs> Welcome in, whether you're listening to us on ESPN Radio, if you're on the podcast feed. Welcome in. I'm Sully. He's Drew. It's still talking out loud. We are the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among Dayton Flyers basketball fans everywhere. And that will not change because you just listened to five minutes about nothing but Red Panda. So now we'll get to talking basketball. Flyers win by 20 points. Uh, final score, 67-47. The Flyers a winner over the Western Michigan Broncos. And to be honest with you guys, if you were a better out there who took the Broncos thinking Dayton's banged up, they got a lot of offensive issues. The line was 18. And for most of the second half, Dayton was well under that line. So I do feel for betters that had the Broncos tonight because that could be classified as bad beat, Drew. Yeah, and it's the worst one because Scott Van Pelt and Stanford Steve talk about this all the time. You had the right side. You did. Yeah, for, mean, most, like, most of the game. for most of the game. From, pretty much from halftime going forward, you had the right side. And in the last three to four minutes, you just let it get away from you. Missed some, missed some shots. Gave up some easy ones on the defensive end. Your, your side just wore out, and it's unfortunate. But hey, it's hard to win in this league. It's hard to win in on these in this gambling league. So, you it know, is. if you had Dayton tonight, take it, take the money and run. If you had Western Michigan, you're in my thoughts. Yeah, you are. You're in all of our thoughts. Lots to talk about tonight. Um, you know, given the fact that Dayton won by 20 in a bye game on a Wednesday night, coming back from the Bahamas, uh, many have called it a get right game. I heard them out in the streets calling it a get right game. I would certainly classify it as such. Um, but before we got on the show tonight, we, we actually did comment that there is a lot to kind of break down. And 
you know, there's two two classifications. You know, a lot of people are leaving the arena right now as we record here. Uh, we do these rapidly. So if you listen to the radio on ESPN on Thursday, we're doing this one right afterwards. Game finished up about 10 minutes ago, and then we get right to the mic because, again, it's called the rapid reaction. And I can understand why you would be like, how could you possibly have bad things to say about Dayton winning by 20? And I really award you out there for being simple-minded because that's frankly all it is. It's simple-minded, okay? You look at the box score, Dayton wins by 20. Yahoo! Let's go home! But this was a Western Michigan team that stinks, all right? This team stinks. and I'm not going to sugarcoat that one way or the other, all right? This is a team going into the night that was in the 300s of Ken Palm, which is bad. If you know anything about Ken Palm, but when you're in the 300s, you're in the worst 75 teams in the country, okay? Their only wins this year were against a community college, whatever, D3, a non-Division one school, and Houston Christian. They've taken losses to Rice, Georgia Southern, Cleveland State, Valparaiso, and a very mediocre Minnesota team. You're talking about a team that is ranked in the bottom 40 in the country in defense. They are ranked in the bottom 150 in offense. They don't do anything particularly well other than clean the offensive boards. And so that brings us to the main point tonight. Um, There are a lot of things that this team has to work on, and this was merely uh, fodder. This was a team that was brought in to have a glorified practice in front of 13,000. Don't think we got that many in the doors and the turnstiles tonight, but if you're simple-minded enough to look at the box score and say, yay, Dayton won by 20, you're not thinking critically enough about the long term of the season and what could potentially derail Dayton over the next couple of weeks. Because what Dayton has coming up here after Western Michigan and Southeastern Louisiana is a tough Virginia Tech team and then a neutral court game against Wyoming, who is getting a couple of their starters back, getting healthier, and is going to be stronger than the Wyoming team that they have been up to this point. So what we're looking at holistically is where are the Flyers still struggling? What are they doing well and what are they not doing well? And I can tell you right now, the things that Dayton is not doing well are far overshadowing the things that they do well. I've used this quote like five times already during the show in this season, is that the Flyers' problems are great, and they are many. And there's a lot of things that I still just frankly don't understand about how they're approaching the game plan, how they're preparing for these games. And I walked into the game tonight, Drew, saying that the biggest things that I was looking for in a game against Western Michigan on a Wednesday night was, is Dayton going to change the fundamental style of the way that they play? And frankly, I thought it was extremely dubious to believe that they would. And I was right in believing that because they're not going to change the way they play. Anthony Grant, he always talks about his schemes and his systems and these big mythical schemes. And I, I understand that's the way he coaches. But at this point in the season, you have to pivot. You have to play to the strengths of the guys that are on your roster. And I need to start seeing some proof that we're actually going to do that and frankly, I didn't see it tonight. Yeah, uh, the first five to six minutes, it looked we played a little bit faster, and it felt like that got us into a pretty decent rhythm to start the game. Sure. And then Mike kind of got Mike kind of got in foul trouble, and he left the game. And then after that, it kind of boiled down to like what you said, kind of the same old stuff we've seen you know, over the past four games or so. And you know, like the one thing I will say is that. 
we got a concerted effort to get to the free throw line tonight. We took 31 free throws. So yeah. that tells me at least we were getting the ball inside and trying to do something with it when it got there. So if you want to point to, you know, a positive in this whole rigmarole, uh, you can look at that. But you're right, you know, just, it just again, just looked lifeless at times. Now, there, at times when Mike got to use his imagination, it looked pretty good. But when we got boiled down into the half court, it, yeah, it, it remained to be the same. And you nailed it. That's the thing that we're going to keep talking about until we see more creativity on offense is that when Mike's allowed to go off script, right? When guys are allowed to go one-on-one and go get a bucket, we're seeing plays. We're, we're seeing sparks of life. What the problem is down in the half court offense, more often than not, what we see is they get slowed down. They go into that half court set, the scheme, the system, the concepts of AG, and then all the talent that these guys have gets gets diluted. It frankly does. It gets diluted. And, you know, thankfully, Deron Holmes did enough where none of that mattered tonight. But you're right. The Flyers scored 67 points. 22 of those were from the line, and they shot overall 31 shots from the line. Generally speaking, that's going to be a good metric. But it's it's not as great of a point to make when – Dayton's not making shots from the field with eight minutes to go in the game. Dayton only had 15 field goals from the field entirely. And they finished the game with 21, which means in the last eight minutes, seven minutes, they scored six field goals, six field goals from the field, right on the floor. So it just, you, you, you look at those little sample sets and you go, okay, if they can get that kind of production in the last seven minutes, where the heck was it in the first 32? You know, wh- why is this team struggling so much to generate basically anything on the offensive end and against, again, a Western Michigan team that is no good? Um, and, and I guess that's the bigger point that needs made. You know, if you're looking for silver linings and you're saying, well, why are you being so hard on the team? They won by 20. Well, it's because Western Michigan's no good. I mean, they were 17 for 53 from the floor tonight. They were four for 26 from downtown. They're just not a good team. And these are the, the games that you, you should be working on what you're good at. You know, how are we going to exploit teams? What are we going to do night in and night out to be effective? And, and I just don't feel like Dayton got to that tonight. Instead, you know, it was dump it down to Holmes, dump it down to Kamara, uh, which is great. Again, you know, drawn Holmes finished 20 between 20. those two. We yeah, I mean, they, field goals, they had 15 of yep. them. Yeah, I mean, they were uh, 15 for 20. Yeah, just like you said, Holmes was 41 points. They both played 31 minutes. They combined for 15 rebounds. I mean, they're very clearly our two best players. But again, I think the focal point tonight, Drew, that I wanted to see was how are we going to pivot this season knowing that Malachi Smith and Kobe Elvis are not going to be on the floor for an extended period of time? And I just don't feel like I got that tonight. No, you didn't. And uh, another thing is just, refusing to make open threes. I don't know if I've ever seen a basketball team miss so many just wide open, easy threes. I don't think we didn't make a single one tonight. That was like that. Kamara made a couple nope. threes, which is honestly pretty funny, but everyone else, like if, if there was an open three to be had, you knew the, the ball was not going through the net. So that in and of itself is going to, when you cut out the entire perimeter, it makes you a whole heck of a lot easier to defend. 
And then that's when you get possessions that look the way they do against us because nobody can make an open three. If I was coaching, like, why the broadcaster actually thought the broadcast on the Spectrum One, whoever's doing the color tonight, brought up a good point. He's like, why are they not playing zone? Like, why would you not play a zone against Dayton at all? Because the Kamara and Holmes are the only two guys that are going to hurt you on the offensive end as it stands mm-hmm. right now. And we can't make an open three to save our life. Like, yep. I don't understand why you wouldn't take an immediate look at the Dayton film and be like, okay, so we're going to play two, three zone and just not let them get the ball inside at all. And you need to be, you need to stretch teams out if you want to utilize your two best players being your two big guys. And that it, you know, that brings up a good point for the future. Again, we're trying to to paint the overall picture for you of why people should be worried. And you should be concerned about this team, you know, not only for the face value reasons that their best two guards are off uh, or out of the lineup for the next couple of months, but that they're not really showing signs of adjusting to those guys being absent. And you're right. It's going to go two ways for Dayton, right? Number one, the film's out there on them. They're going to see zone pretty consistently here moving forward. But it stands to reason that Dayton might win a game here pretty soon by facing a zone and then finally breaking through on one of those nights when they start hitting threes. I mean, that's that's going to happen. Um, you know, law of I averages sign? and all that, right? Where do I sign? Where do I sign for that? I will sign <laughs> yeah, it right it's going to happen. But the fact of the matter is it continues to be dismal. Tamani Kamara was two for two from downtown. The whole rest of the team was one for 14. I mean, that's just bad. And going into tonight, we said that they needed to shoot, shoot a lot. This is a team that's bad enough, Western Michigan, where if they shot 25 threes, it really wasn't going to hurt them that much. And of course, we were right about that. But they didn't do that. They, they kind of tried to, to run their same offense and it was going nowhere. Um, going into the game tonight, they shot 26% from three on the season. Tonight, it's 18%. So um, that that is judge, jury, and executioner right there. And that's going to be the downfall of this Dayton team. And that's how they're going to take losses moving forward. Um, but there's more to break down tonight. Lots more to talk about. Flyers win 67-47 against Western Michigan. We'll be right back. Short break. Talking out loud. It's Sully and Drew. We'll be coming right back to you on the podcast feed in 1410 ESPN Radio in Dayton. Welcome back to Talking Out Loud. This is still Sully Andrew on the A10's number one podcast here on 1410 ESPN Radio and wherever you listen to podcasts, L-O-W-D is Talking Out Loud. Uh, Drew starts second segment off tonight. I wanted to hit you with a little bit of trivia. You ready for it? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Trivia tonight, Drew, is the Dayton Flyers just won against a Mac opponent. I will try not to give away how many in a row that they have won, but my question to you is when was the last time that the Dayton Flyers lost to a Mac opponent, and who was it? You're on the clock. I'm pretty sure the opponent was Buffalo. It was not. Ooh. Um, mm. okay. Actually. Wrong. Actually, you're right because of how I read the particular schedule. So it's all in the same season. So that should give you a hint. 
Okay. There you go. Does there you go. Because I had I had Buffalo in my head the entire time. I there you go. Think of okay, you one. got that one. But now you got to tell me what season it was. So when? Oh gosh, how long ago was that? I want to say it was. That would have been was it Archie's first year? Twenty eleven. Uh, just one off. It was twenty twelve, but the year was twenty eleven. So we're gonna give it to you. Um, yeah, the way that I read the schedule going downwards, I probably should have kept reading that season to see how that shook <laughs> out, but you're right. Um, I was in the second row for that game and I was at the Miami of Ohio game that I had first thought, uh, was the answer to this question because uh, it was my senior nice. year, the 2011, 2012 season, Archie Miller's senior or first year, my senior year at, uh, the university so I was of Dayton. That, too. that was my train of thought there. I was trying to think of what Archie's first season was and I yep. thought maybe it was 2011. And that's right. Uh, so that season, they lost to Miami of Ohio at Millet Hall, second game of the year in overtime, 72-67. And then a couple of weeks later, November 30th to the day, Wednesday, November 30th, wouldn't you know it, it has been exactly 11, 11, 10 years. It's been exactly 10 years to the day that Dayton has lost to a MAC opponent the 84-55 unholy beatdown that the Buffalo Bulls gave the Dayton Flyers and uh, a, uh, a big welcome to big-time college basketball for Archie Miller. So since that time, Dayton has not lost. Early. What's that? Only game I've left early. Yeah. Only yeah, that game was I've an, ever was left an, early. Yeah, that was, that was an ugly one. Um, so Dayton now has won 13 straight against MAC opponents, including tonight against the Western Michigan Broncos. Are you surprised by that? I, I was. 13 in a row seems like a lot. No, not really. We haven't. I feel like we haven't played the premier, like the better teams of the MAC. Like, yeah. I feel like whenever we've played a MAC team, it's always been a bottom half. Like we haven't, we've never played OU, never played Toledo. I feel like we've only played Bowling Green like one time. Yeah. Uh, and like, I feel like those are the, the MAC programs that can bring, I mean, We'll get to the A-10 rundown later, actually. There's a little bit of a tease for you. Ooh, but, there uh, go. We have never, we, we've never really, like, I feel like we haven't struggled, we never really struggled with MAC teams, so that doesn't really no. surprise me. Yeah, you know, that's true. Um, yeah, actually, uh, in 2018, uh, Dayton actually was 3-0 and against the MAC. They started the year with, um, who could forget it, the Josh Cunningham buzzer beater against Ball State in yep. Anthony Grant's first year. And then two games later in a neutral site tournament, they beat Ohio. And then they came home after Thanksgiving and they beat Akron 3 and 0, 2018. That's I, I forgot about that. I forgot about that OU game in the what tournament was that? Oh, who knows? Everybody tries to block that season out of memory. 14 and That's 17 true. AG's first year. Hey, we, we do put up 100 best. on BCU, though. Yeah, we did. We did. That was that was a good one. 106 points to be exact. Another fun story for tonight. Um, and, and again, uh, we're, we're just this is just anecdotal. All right, it doesn't. It's not like the way we feel about anything. But uh, they put the hashtag Dayton sixth on the scoreboard at the arena um, before, uh, during most Dayton games. Now I think every Dayton game, and some uh, some wise guy thought it was pretty funny to put hashtag Dayton sixth. Read my name. And his Twitter name was at FireAG yesterday. So I implore the people working at the arena and uh, all around the University of Dayton, don't take nights off on the social media feed, people. You, you can't afford it. All right? You can't yeah, take can't nights off. That. Yeah, cannot have that. 
It's not not a great look for the brand. All right, the wise guy got the best of you, and now it's circulating on Twitter. Okay, so call you slipping. Be better. Yeah, we did catch you slipping. All right, back to the basketball. Doing sixty-seven forty-seven again was the score the Flyers finished with, and um, you know we we talked about in the first segment how the the lack of changes that we saw from the offense they, they go stagnant for long portions of time. Against Western Michigan, that's not going to bite you in the rear end. Against Southeastern Louisiana, same thing. Against Virginia Tech, it absolutely will here in a couple of weeks. But you have to be encouraged by the fact that Deron Holmes is going to continue to have these kinds of nights when the team can't figure out anything else. The concerning parts are the supporting cast. Kobe Bray is coming back from his first game from, uh, from illness. Um, I can't remember what kind of illness that he had, but first game back, he plays 14 minutes, basically a non-factor. He's 0 for 4 from the field, including 0 for 2 from downtown. That's what Kobe Brea has to give this team. He has to give him a three-point shooting element. Um, going into tonight, I was wholly convinced that we were not going to see Caleb Washington for some off-the-court issues. It seems as though those are cleared up, and so I didn't think we were going to see him because if these off-the-court issues are cleared up, we got to figure out where this guy's going to fit into the mix. One way or the other, whether he's good at practice, bad at practice, whatever, you got to get him into the game somehow and figure out what he's going to contribute to this team in the next two months. But again, I was willing to give that a pass because all these things off the court were kind of spiraling. Well, it seems as though those things have cleared themselves up and Caleb Washington checked himself into the game in a, uh, let's call it walk-on role. And with Rich Amafile, again, in a walk-on role. And it just, it leads the bigger questions here, Drew, is why can't these guys get minutes on this team? And why are we not finding out what they can contribute to this team? And I really, I'm not a huge fan of singling out players like that to say, why aren't they playing? Why aren't they getting minutes? I'm sure there are reasons behind the scenes to these things, but it's just a huge question mark right now as to why Brady Yule walk on is getting more minutes than these dudes. And that's not to say anything of, of Brady's capabilities because frankly, 42 has come in and he's give you some pretty solid minutes for a walk on, right? He's not turning the ball over. He played hard. He even committed a couple fouls because he was playing hard and his job is to just get in there, keep the wheels rolling and not turn the ball over. So then you look down the rest of the bench and you ask yourself, why the heck can't we get any production from the rest of the bench? Yeah, I, your guess is as good as mine. I'm going to, whenever situations like this arise, I usually just fall back to the, you know, we don't really see what's going on at practice, but I'm with you. Like, if they're going to be a part of this program, you got to let them out on the court and let them show what they can do when the when the lights are on and it, it actually means something. Because you know what? Maybe something will happen and the lights will turn on when they get and actually get consistent playing time. And you know, it, it's sink or swim at this point. You know, you get into a college basketball season and you're exactly. a college kid. It, it's sink or swim when you get to this point. And you either need to recognize that we need to see what these kids can do. Or if you don't believe in what they can do, bring them into your office and have that tough conversation of saying, like, we don't feel like we should move forward. Like, we shouldn't be together anymore. And yeah. that's how college athletics work now with how accessible the transfer portal is. So I... I don't know if it's they're just easing them back into it for tonight and maybe they're planning on 
working them in somehow, some way we'll, we'll, we'll know in the, in the coming days, but you're right. Like only coming in in a mop-up role, only logging one minute in the box score really does raise an eyebrow or two. Yeah. It's, it's really head scratching, but um, the, the biggest concerns of this team and moving forward is that their offense stinks. It's one dimensional, it's uncreative and whether it is the lack of scheme whether it is the guys not knowing their roles, we're eight games in. You know, we are about uh, what twenty percent of the season, more than that. Um, it, we're we're twenty five percent of the way into the season now. Okay, we're one quarter done and in the books, and we still don't know who is going to be a third and fourth contributor on this team. You know, Mike shows us flashes of of greatness here and there. But at the same time, he's a true freshman who turned the ball over five times. He was two for nine from the field, including 0 for five from deep. And he scored four points. You know, however you want to slice it, that's not a great game. And of course, you're willing to chalk that up to him being a true freshman. But you can see the larger point when R.J. Blakeney has yet to break double digits since after the first game against Lindenwood. And the roller coaster that is Mustafa Amzil could either give you a goose egg or a double-double, which he gave you tonight. Dayton's going to have to figure out where that secondary scoring is coming from because you saw against a good, strong defensive team like UNLV, they're going to take Holmes out of the game. They're going to deny him the ball in the post. And just like Drew said in the first segment, more zones are coming. And Dayton's going to have to figure out how to counteract those zones because Holmes and Kamara are not going to go for 41 points every night. And they're not going to be able to get 20 shots from the field. They're not going to be able to have 16 free throws per night. And I think that's the bigger picture is that this team has some pretty serious offensive issues, not the least of which is just that they're uncreative and they're one-dimensional. You know, we're going to go round and round on those same points. Dayton has got to figure out immediately how to come up with a multi-dimensional offensive attack uh, because this struggling to score 65 points every night, that's just not going to cut it in conference play, Drew. It's not. And, you know, people are going to make the comment to us because it's only natural that it's like, well, they don't have any guards. I'm like, well, then be adaptable, you know? Yeah, like, they have to you gotta adapt. adapt. You got to adapt to the hand that you're dealt. And if you don't have the guards to run what you normally need to run, well, then you need to figure something out and get like you, like we've talked about. You need to get creative. You need to have some imagination like Mike has on the floor at times, you know, letting him go off script. And you, you got to just you got to try something. And that's that's the most concerning thing for me is that he just doesn't look to try new things. It may not work at this point. Who cares? Just keep trying. Just keep throwing things out there until you find something that works. You know, I, I thought Tamani Kamara did a really good job tonight when he got the ball in a face-up position. Why don't we construct an offense around that where we can clear out one side and let, let him go to work in the short corner? You know, I'm just trying to throw ideas at the wall here that can maybe light a spark in the offense. And look, I realize, I understand I'm not a college basketball coach, but I've watched a lot of it. And no one's I feel asking like I've got a pretty you to be, first of all. Right. And I've got a pretty good eye for watching this thing. I've been watching it my entire life. And when you see something that works, you got to just find a way to tap into that. And we just don't do that. We just get stuck in our own rudderless ways. And 
just show me something. Just show me something. Anything new. That is yeah. like all I'm asking. Yeah, and, and that, that goes back to the point that we made last week on the, the show or this earlier this week on Monday is that the biggest concern of Grant right now is that he, he can't adapt. We can't make in-game adjustments. Uh, the Flyers went into the half up by 13, and they spent most of the second half up by single digits or up by 10. Um, the Flyers, you know, are they're not a team that's built around offense. We get that. They're built around defense. But against Western Michigan, you got to be blowing those teams out. And again, if you're a person that walked into this year talking about how much talent we have, you have to scratch your head and say, well, what are we doing with this talent? You know, even tonight, there were times when Deron Holmes was struggling to get the ball. And and I I don't it's gonna become a, a thing this year where we're struggling for answers to figure out what we're trying to accomplish on offense. Um and and I think that's the biggest takeaway from tonight is who are we on offense? What do we do well? And Deron Holmes getting eight field goals around the bucket, that's only going to take you so far this season. So uh, it's a good place to wrap up this segment. On the last segment, we're going to give you a little A-10 rundown to highlight just what has been going on around the A-10 conference because it has not been pretty. And that's all on the other side of the break here on Talking Out Loud with Sully and Drew on everywhere you listen to podcasts and 1410 ESPN radio in date. Welcome back to Talking Out Loud with Sully and Drew here on 1410 ESPN Radio and wherever you listen to podcasts. Finishing up on the rapid reaction, dating a 20-point winner against the Western Michigan Broncos, extending that MAC winning streak to 13 games as we outlined in the early trivia segments. The Flyers, uninspiring tonight. Uh, a lack of offense, but they got the job done. Clean, or uh, Sorry, um, cleared the spread of 18 points with the 20-point victory, and they improved to 4-4 four and four before a tilt with Southeastern Louisiana on Saturday night, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night. What is that? Afternoon, two o'clock. Afternoon, yeah, yeah. It's at two o'clock. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, two o'clock. Uh, and we'll plenty of time to watch USA Netherlands before you go. That's correct. That's correct. Soccer fans uh, rejoice. USA is moving on to the knockout round, but we're here to talk about basketball because I know that's what you're here to do as well. Um, interesting note on the southeastern Louisiana Lions. They want to go by SLU now, which is a, it's a real slap in the face to uh, our A-10 rivals down I-70. It really is. You, you can't be doing that to them. SLU's, SLU, it's carved out, okay, people? Like It's not like UD where like University of Delaware has been around for a long time. These guys are just like, you know, willy-nilly getting into D1. Now they want to be SLU. It's like, come on, pay respect to the people that have been here. Anyways... The SLU Lions, uh, led by David Kiefer of Hammond, Louisiana, uh, are going to be coming into this game with a 4-4 four and four record after they lost two nights to the Xavier Musketeers. They're doing one of those um, uh, tours where, you know, you need your paychecks, 
So they did the away game at Xavier on Wednesday. They'll be sticking around Southwest Ohio, making the drive up 75 to take on Dayton on Saturday afternoon. They have been wholly unimpressive. Their wins are against Wyoming. Uh Uh-oh, they beat Wyoming. A heavily banged up, injured Wyoming team, I must add. And then uh, a Campbell team that is also not very good. And two teams that are not in Division I. They've taken three losses to Colorado State, Kennesaw State, and Appalachian State. Uh, Should be another good warm-up for Dayton. Uh, I would not call it a challenge or a test, although... In the post-game presser tonight, Anthony Grant called this game against Western Michigan a great challenge for our team. And boy, do I just hate Coach Speak, Drew. I just can't you do. stand it. I, like, a, lot, a lot of people say they hate Coach Speak. You, you truly despise it. It's I honestly, can't stand it. You are, you're nothing if you're not authentic. Yeah, that is it. Um, you know, on the show here, we just try to tell it like it is. We try to keep it as truthful as possible. And let me tell you something. The Western Michigan Broncos should not be a test for Dayton. This was a team that came into the year ranked 24 in the country preseason. Again, they're missing two of their starting guards. We get that. Okay, I got it. But even with the talent on this roster that remains, Western Michigan should not be a challenge for the Dayton Flyers. It should be a blowout. It should have always been a 20-point game. And I, the, the number one thing that I look at coming away from this game today is why did it take Dayton – 34 minutes roughly to turn on the Jets. You know, this team had about 52 points, 32 minutes into the game, 33 minutes into the game. And then all of a sudden they explode for 14 in the last six minutes, maybe even call it five minutes because that last minute was some mop up time for the walk-ons. Dayton, you could see in the last couple of minutes there when the game was in hand, they were playing fast. They were playing loose. They were playing up-tempo. They were getting shots up, making back cuts, throwing the ball down low off of those back cuts on pick and roll. It was the offense that we think this team is capable of, and you have to sit here and ask yourself, why does it take so long for Dayton to get to those uh, parts of the offense? The one positive I will say from tonight is uh, Norman Jr., who was uh, uh, Lamar Norman Jr., sorry, uh, one of the starters for Western Michigan, transferred from Duquesne. He was quite impressive in the first half, put up 10 points, and then we didn't hear a peep from him in the second half. And and that's a positive you can take from tonight, is that regardless of who is on the floor for Dayton, it seems to me, Drew, that their identity, well, I, this isn't telling you anything new, but their identity moving forward in the season is going to be defense. And the their ability to take him out of the game down the stretch uh, is something that Dayton can build on because the, the dude was a player. I mean, he could really get buckets um, and, and they took him out of the game in the second half. You know, I didn't really think that Western Michigan was a threat, but in the same breath, there was 12,000 people in the arena that did not feel comfortable with an eight point lead with 10 minutes to go in the game. And who could blame them? Because this team has blown some leads here this year. Yeah, for sure. And as any season Dayton fan knows, the one dude on the other team who just lights on fire in that arena, he gets going and then he he, you know, single-handedly wills a team to be in the game. That's kind of what it felt like we were trending towards and you're right, credit to the credit to the squad for for taking him out of the game in the second half and you know what, like for as much complaining as we've done, rightfully so, um we we do defend. I'll give I'll give yeah, we do. us that. We do. 
we hang our hat on the defensive. We're like the Chicago Bears of like the mid two thousands, early twenty tens. Yeah, like of yesteryear. Yeah, like where <laughs> just great stifling defense, and then the offense walks on the field, and you you kind of want to punt on third down so the defense can get back on the field, and you enjoy the product that's in front of you. But um, you know that's and that's the thing. Like if you just figure that you don't even need to be a great offense. That's what makes this so frustrating. Is that you don't even need to be a great offense. You need to be an average to a good offense. If you're an average to a good offense paired with your defense, you're going to be a tough out every night. But we need to drag it from bottom of the league bad offense just to get to average at this point. Yeah, and again, the the main thing to wrap up on Western Michigan talk tonight is that if you're still hooping and hollering that Dayton covered the spread, yeah, we did it, guys. You just simple. You better minded. have had some actual action on the game if you're if you're saying that. Again, yeah, you're just a simple-minded person, and you want to look at the game simple-minded, and that's fine. But we're telling you right now that there's some pretty fundamental problems with this team that are not fixed yet, and they start and end with the three-point shooting. They're going to be carried by their defense, but the lack of creativity on the offense is going to persist. And if you don't want to see it. That's your prerogative, but this team has some pretty big issues to fix, and they got to do it quick because, as we said, the season is a fourth over, and I cannot find a single person that – sorry, I can find a lot of you, but I should not be able to find a single person out there that feels comfortable with what they've seen on the court yet because I've already seen the move into the goalposts. You know, and I know there's going to be people out there that don't think the season is going to count against Anthony Grant because we have guys that are injured out there. But there's there's fundamental realities to this team. It's that their offense isn't any good and you should not be struggling to score 65 against Western Michigan. You shouldn't be struggling to score 60 against Robert Morris. You shouldn't be blowing 23 point leads against BYU. You know who does that? Mediocre basketball teams. So if this is going to be a mediocre basketball team and that's what you expect them to be, then yeah, tip your hat to them. Good job, Flyers. We beat Western Michigan. But if you want to hear the reality, we're going to give it to you and we're going to sing that song all night is that this team needs to be better if they're going to run through the A-10 because I haven't seen anything to indicate that they are going to be that way. So with that said, Drew, you have a little A-10 roundup for us to uh, finish up the show tonight. Well, Dayton basketball hasn't been the only thing that's been disappointing thus far this season. Uh, the whole conference as a whole. Let me put, put it to you this way, Sully. Can you name the four, the top four teams by record in the Atlantic 10? I know Fordham's one of them. Correct. Six and one. Uh, how about Davidson? They're in a dogfight with Maine right now. Okay. But was I right on that? You are correct. Six and one. Okay. They are, okay. Well, they are second. They're tied for first. Oh, geez. Uh, Duquesne? Duquesne, six and one. Okay. Do you, do you know who's third? Ah, no, I don't have it. UMass, five and one. Jeez. And then Davidson's at six and two. And so then you're you telling have, me right now. You're telling me right now that Duquesne, UMass, Fordham, and Davidson are the top four in the A10. God, that's pitiful. You would be correct. That's pitiful. That is followed by St. Louis, or yeah, St. Louis at five and two. Now six and two after uh, they're playing right now. They should take care of business tonight, so they will be six and two. Uh, VCU also won tonight against Vanderbilt. Did you know that Jerry Stackhouse is the coach of Vanderbilt? I did not know that until tonight. He had I an did. all-time injection. I did. And, he had and, an all-time uh, injection. Go check that out if if uh, if you yeah. have the time. Yeah, um, but yeah, and 
like Dayton's down here. Richmond, who got blasted by Toledo tonight. I mean, absolutely emasculated by Toledo, 90 to 67. They played at Toledo for some reason, which that's a whole other conversation we can have on another day. Um, but yeah, th- this league as a whole is, is bad. And I was told going into the season that it was going to be strong like it used to be. Uh, it is not that. Uh, and in case you were wondering, new edition Loyola Chicago is two and four. I believe you had that, uh, Sully. And we haven't yeah. even gotten the A-10 play yet. Yeah, and, uh, I, I said it was going to be a long the year. Seller, yeah. In the, the Fordham Memorial dead last place of the Atlantic 10, your Rhode Island fighting Rams led by our fearless, our old fearless leader, Archie Miller. It's a tough start up, uh, up in Kingston for old Archie. Yeah, but we knew that was going to be the case. But we knew that was coming. Yeah, it, regardless, yeah. two and five, not great. You know, I didn't expect the Rhode Island Rams, you know, their fans to know what we've been through because they they just saw the good years of Archie. You know, that's when people started paying attention. But we had to wade through the stinky waters of the first two years. And frankly, the beginning of the third year that turned into the miraculous run that it did. But before that time, in the first two years, Archie Miller was 37 and 27. That's bad, okay? That's not very good. And if you add in that 14 season, 37 and 27, okay, there was a time when he was 60 and 55, okay? So it, it was bad, folks. I mean, it was, it was real bad. And um, I just knew in my bones, deep in my bones, that it was going to be a long haul for Archie Miller to turn that program around. I know that the man can do it because this is the level of basketball that he should be at, indicative uh, of you know what he did at Indiana or lack thereof. But uh, it was it was going to be a haul for Archie to turn the program around, and um, it's it's going to be at least three years, if not four. Uh, I think it'll probably be a little bit quicker at Rhode Island because of the the transfer portal, because of the era that we're in. But um, just you know that. Just keep an eye out for Rhode Island in like two years, but we're not have to worry about him anytime soon. And uh, Archie's not coming back to the arena, so you won't have to like give him the standing ovation that you really want to give him out there because I know you do. But uh, any final thoughts about about the A10 and uh, and their lack of success there, Drew? I just have one question for you that you have to answer right now on November thirtieth. True. Is Atlantic Ten only going to get one team into the tournament? No. Somehow, some way, they'll get two. They always do. All right. We'll see. Wrapping up, talking out loud with Sully and Drew. Drew, any final thoughts for the people out there? So I'm going to err on the the, brief side of positivity. This is a long season. It's November. A lot of things can change between now and and February. We don't know what this team's going to look like in, in February. And, you know, it could be better. It could be worse. I don't know. It's a long season. And maybe things will change. Maybe they won't. And you know what? It's still Dayton basketball. I'm still going to watch. Still going to complain about it because it's what I do. It's what I enjoy doing. And at the end of the day, it's just 20-year-olds trying to put a ball in a basket. That's true. And there are a lot more important things than life and sports, but sometimes sports are supposed to be our pleasant distraction from those things. And so I just, it feels like it sucks around Dayton land right now. I'm trying to, Sing Kumbaya here a little bit. We're all in this together, folks. We're all in this together. So let's march forward. Let's take care of business on Saturday. And then let's find out where we're at. I leave leave the people with that, Sully. 
We will be with you throughout the entirety of the season. Uh, Drew certainly will be. I definitely will be as well. But I'll tell you, there ain't nothing entertaining by coming on here and saying, boy, gee willikers, guys, that was a great 20-point win against Western Michigan. It's just simple-minded of you to think that. The Flyers covered. They won the game. But there's a lot of things to work on, and there's a lot of improvements that need to happen as soon as as possible for drew i'm sully that's all we got for you tonight rapid reaction here on the podcast feed and 1410 radio in dayton where we have two rules you wear red and you be loud and we'll catch you next week